Welcome to the MVP Podcast. Today is November 17th, 2020. I'd like to apologize for last week not having any pods. My grandfather passed away, so we had the funeral and everything, and then I got busy with work, so I didn't really have a lot of time to record the podcast last week. So I apologize, but we're going to pick up with a great show today. So we're going to kick it off. I've got a little top 10 NBA mock draft to kind of go over some NBA draft stuff for the draft that's coming up on Wednesday. Super pumped for that. And then we're going to do an NFL Week 10 review where I've got my winners and losers. And then we're going to finish up with The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 3. So this should be a great show. Glad to be back. It's going to be a great Tuesday. Let's get to it. Okay, so I wanted to kick off the show today with a little NBA draft top 10 mock. We've got the NBA draft tomorrow, and I'm super pumped. So I wanted to give you guys my top 10 mock draft. So this is going to be based on what I think these teams should do. I'll give you a little insight to why I think the team is going to be taking this guy and why I think they could be a good fit. So I'm no expert, but I've been doing some research on these guys. So let's let's get to it. So at number one, we've got the Minnesota Timberwolves. So at number one, it's an interesting pick there because there's like three guys that have been kind of rumored at the top and that's LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards. So I feel like this pick could get traded because with, with the fact that they've got Cat and D'Lo, I think that they could trade it for somebody that can complement these guys right away and not a guy that you might have to put a little bit of development into. So I could see Minnesota moving out of number one for the right price, but I think if they use the pick that they should probably take Anthony Edwards He's a shooting guard from Georgia. I talked about him on one of my last pods, but he could just be a guy that could come in and be a nice scoring option on the wing next to D'Lo. It seems like D'Lo thrives when he has the ball in his hands and you want Cat to have the ball in the post. So to have a guy that can be a nice shooter and provide some scoring when you need him, when you need somebody else to score besides Cat and D'Lo, he could be a nice wing presence to have. He will definitely need some help on the defensive end, but it does help that he'll have Cat backing him up as rim protection, so he, he should be able to develop his defense in that in that defensive system. Um, he should be able to handle the ball a little bit when D'Lo doesn't want it, so when D'Angelo Russell doesn't have the ball in his hand, Anthony Edwards can handle and run the offense. So I think here the best fit for Minnesota is going to be Anthony Edwards because of his off-ball capability as well as the stuff that he can do on ball. And mostly just for his scoring. He's just going to be an aggressive scorer right off the bat, and he's going to bring it right from the jump. So at number two is Golden State. Just like Minnesota, I feel like they can trade this pick as well. But I think it's probably a better move if they just take this pick. I think that them taking James Wiseman is a franchise-altering move for them because they've already got Stephen Clay, they've got Draymond, so if you just get that center rim protector for defense that they just never had, then this is kind of a no-brainer pick for me. So he he's just going to be a rim protector, and he can move better than most of these other guys. Like 
He gets up and down the court. He People compare him to DeAndre Jordan, so he's going to be a high flyer. But just that size and length and athleticism from the center position is just nothing that the Warriors have ever had. And it could make them super dangerous if these other teams start loading up with big men. And it could be a way for the Warriors to really counter any sort of big bigs movement that may be on the horizon. So I think that the no-brainer pick at number two for the Warriors is James Wiseman. So moving on at number three is Charlotte. And I heard that Charlotte really, really wants James Wiseman. So I can see them trying to move up into the one of those top two spots with Minnesota and Golden State and having those guys fall back to either land Edwards at two or um, LaMelo Ball at three. So I could see any of those three teams kind of mixing it up in the top three, depending on kind of how each team feels about those guys on draft night. But I think if the way the draft sticks and it goes the way I've said, that at number three, Charlotte will be able to land possibly one of the best players in the draft in LaMelo Ball. So I think LaMelo can take over the Charlotte offense right from the jump. He's going to be able to come in and create... um, create for others, run that offense, and really push the level of that offense and pace up a notch if they want to. He's got a solid jump shot that could improve, but his defense is going to be where he's really lacking. He's just kind of skinny, and I feel like sometimes he doesn't really try. So we'll see what happens on the defensive end, but I just kind of see him like his brother, maybe a little bit better. I don't think he – I think they're about the same jump shot level – so, so we'll see what happens. I think LaMelo at three is probably the best case scenario for Charlotte. I think I think having a guy like LaMelo that's going to bring people to the stadium and create plays for others and just make plays. They've got a lot of solid players in Charlotte. They just need somebody that can help set everybody up, in my opinion. So I think LaMelo Ball is going to be a good fit there. So at number four is where we see Chicago. So I think that Chicago needs to add some wing help here to help out Zach Levine, and they're going to go with whoever's the best wing available or even potentially the best player available. And that comes down to two guys, in my opinion, and that's Denny Avita and Obi Toppin. So it's kind of a toss-up. I think these guys go four and five, but for my mock purposes, even though I'd rather see Denny go to Cavs then to the Bulls. I'm getting a jersey regardless, but my favorite player in the draft, Denny Avita, goes at number four to the Bulls. Reason why is Denny's going to be able to play one through four for them, so they're going to be able to mix him in with many lineups with all their different young guys. He can handle the ball, run the offense, but he can also play off ball. He's kind of like a Luka Light. I've talked a lot about him on past pods, and I think his defense is a little bit better than Luca. That's kind of what I've been hearing and what have people have been saying for some of his comps. So he's clearly my favorite player in the draft. I love this guy out of Israel. He's going to do some big things for Chicago if they decide to take him at four. But I could also very well see them take Obi Toppin at four. Obi Toppin's exciting, and then it could get the fans excited. They might not want to take the, the, the kid from Israel, even though he might end up being a better player. So we'll see what happens there. So at number five, we've got Cleveland, and this leaves them a no-brainer at five, in my opinion. They get the hype of college basketball last year and an in-state guy in Obi Toppin from Dayton. So getting that in-state buzz and draw is going to be a big pickup for the Cavs. Obi Toppin's a high flyer. He'll bring some energy to the team, and he should be be able to play really well off the guards of Darius 
uh, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. So he can handle the ball in the wing if you need to, but for him to be able to be able to play off these guards and just be above the rim guy that's going to attack and be aggressive for them will be a great pickup for the Cavs. And I know Cavs fans, everybody, everywhere are going to be using the ain't no stopping OB Toppin. And all of Ohio is probably going to rally behind OB Toppin and the Cavs. That is my call. So this is probably the best case scenario for the Cavs is to land OB Toppin at five. But like I said, if the Bulls end up taking OB Toppin at four, then they still land a really good player in Denny Avita at at five. And I know the Jewish community in Cleveland would love to have Denny Avita there. So now we'll move on to number six, which is Atlanta. And I think Atlanta just needs some like wing and front court guys that'll help complement um, John Collins and Trey Young and Kevin Herter. So I think they're going to go with Isaac Okoro out of Auburn. He's a small forward power forward. So the nice thing about Okoro is he should be able to step in right away and provide some defense. So they shouldn't lack any of that by drafting him. And then he should be able to develop his offense alongside these other guys that are going to be taking majority of the shots. So, I mean, Trey and Herter and John Collins are going to be the centerpieces of that offense. So he can kind of take a backseat when it comes to that, really provide and contribute when it comes to the defensive end, and then let his offense kind of come along as it goes and that team can build and start winning games and and see where it goes from there. So I think at number six, the best, the best pick for the Atlanta is going to be Isaac Okoro. There's obviously a lot of other guys there, but I just think that fit-wise and talent-wise, Isaac Okoro is the best fit for them at number six. At number seven, I just think that the Pistons are getting ready for this like new rebuild reboot. So I think that they're going to go with the best player available, in my opinion, and that's going to be Tyrese Halliburton, who's a point guard from Iowa State. He can really score, so that's what he's going to be able to provide to to the Pistons right off the bat. It's just going to be his scoring. He's also got some length to be a good defender, but he needs some development. But at number seven, getting a point guard that can put up points and probably be shifted over to the two guard if needed is going to be a big pickup. I think the Pistons just need some scoring. They've got some front court guys with Blake Griffin. So they just need some backcourt guys that can really compliment them and put put the ball in the basket when they've got some unfavorable matchups. So at number eight, we've got the Knicks. And I think they take kind of a risk, but it'll pay off for them in the end. And I think they're going to take the point guard from Europe, Killian Hayes. So I think that they land the guy that's going to be the point guard of their future. He's got some great playmaking ability. And he's really going to be able to play next to Barrett. The two lefties should be fun to watch if this does happen. He definitely needs to improve his shooting to be more effective. But people are talking about him being potentially one of the best players in this draft. So I think at number eight, the Knicks can't really pass up on a guy who could be one of the best point guards in the league come a few years. So I think that the Knicks are going to take Killian Hayes here get that guard that's really going to establish them. They've got a lot of front court guys. They've got some wings. They just need a point guard that's going to run their offense and be good, and I think that's going to be Killian Hayes. Next up at number nine is Washington. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. This might be a little bit of a reach pick, but I think that it could be a high-risk, high-reward pick for Washington. 
And I think they're going to take RJ Hampton at number nine. So he's got loads of potential. He played internationally this past season, but he was one of the top guys in coming out of high school in his class. So he's probably going to be pretty good. So I think Washington, with all the weird pieces that they've got and the weird cap situation they've got, they're just going to take a risk on getting a guy that can maybe possibly replace Wall or Beal. Do they move on from those guys? And I think RJ Hampton can fill in at either spot, whether they move on from either of those guys. So I think RJ Hampton goes to Washington at number nine. At number 10, this is where it got a little bit harder for me. And we've got Phoenix. And I think Phoenix, after trading for CP3, is going to make a move for some front court and wing help. So I think they're going to take Patrick Williams from Florida State. So Williams is going to help them right off the bat on the defensive end. And even though he needs some development on offense, he's going to be playing next to Aiton and Booker and CP3, who are going to take on a lot of the load of that offense. So he can really just sit back and, the set, like I said with Isaac Okoro, sit back on defense, provide and contribute on that end and then just let your offense come along next to these other guys that are going to be pretty good playing next to you so that's going to wrap up my top 10 mock draft i'm super pumped for this draft coming up tomorrow and i'm really excited to see these guys once they get to the league there's a lot of good guys especially in the top five that are going to be good and i think there could be some surprises later on in the draft so it'll be an interesting night i think there could also be a lot of trades it seems like with Harden wanting out, Westbrook wanting out, Depot potentially getting moved, Miles Turner potentially getting moved. Just a lot of moving pieces going on in the NBA right now, and with it being such a short time between them opening up the league for transactions and the draft, I think that we could see a lot of splashes on draft night potentially, as well as some fun picks and some fun guys that we'll get to see at the next level. So really looking forward to the draft, and We'll be back on Thursday to kind of recap some of the picks and we'll talk about who 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 had the best draft and who had the worst draft. So let's get ready for the NBA draft tomorrow night. We're going to kick off week 10 with my losers of the week. So first up on my losers of the week is the Denver Broncos. They lost to the Raiders in this one, 37 to 12. The Raiders improved to six and three while Denver falls to three and six. So this was a back and forth first half. And then the Raiders picked off Drew Locke near the goal line to end the half and take and have a 10, six lead. In the second half though, the Raiders just exploded they scored 20 unanswered points to go up 30-6 to before Denver finally got a touchdown again in the fourth quarter. Raiders got one more touchdown and then intercepted Locke late to seal this one with a 37-12 to victory. Broncos are my losers just because of the mistakes that Locke made, but really it was the Raiders. They just took advantage when they needed to, and they played to what they're, they're capable of. My fantasy for fantasy this week, my stardom for the Raiders is going to be Josh Jacobs. He had 21 carries for 112 yards, two touchdowns, and four catches for 24 yards. My sit this week is Darren Waller. He had three catches for 37 yards. My stardom this week for the Broncos is Deshaun Hamilton. He had four catches for 33 yards and a touchdown. 
And my sit this week is Melvin Gordon. He had 11 carries for 46 yards. My next loser of the week is the 49ers. They lost to the Saints 27-13 in this one. The Saints improved to 7-2, while the Niners fall to 4-6. San Francisco got up early in this one, taking a 10-0 lead into the second quarter, but New Orleans scored 17 unanswered points to take a 17-10 lead into the half, led by Alvin Kamara. Then in the second half, Breeze was replaced by Jameis Winston after he got hurt in the second quarter, and came out later that he has some cracked ribs and one of his lungs collapsed or something. So Jameis came in and he scored a touchdown and got them a field goal to kind of finish out the game. It was an uneventful second half. And the Saints got the win 27-13. to 13. Niners are my loser this week because they just continue their little losing skid. The Saints just like look pretty good. There was not really much to it other than the Saints were just better than them today. And I don't know. Niners need to figure it out, and they probably need to get Jimmy G back, and we'll see what happens. For fantasy this week, my stardom for the Saints is Alvin Kamara. He had eight carries for 15 yards and two touchdowns, as well as seven catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. My sit this week is Michael Thomas. He only had two catches for 27 yards. My stardom this week for the Niners is Brandon Ayuk. He had seven catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. He also had one carry for negative eight yards. My sit this week is Jarek McKinnon. He had 18 carries for 33 yards and one catch for 13 yards. My next loser of the week is the Philadelphia Eagles. They lost to the Giants 27-17. The Giants improved to 3-7. and seven while Philly falls to 3-5-1. So the Giants took an early lead in this one that kind of carried them throughout, but the Eagles did put up a pretty good fight. The Giants led 14-3 at halftime, and then coming in out of the half, the Eagles got a touchdown and two-point conversion to cut the lead to 14-11. The Giants, or both teams traded touchdowns. The Giants scored after that first Eagles touchdown, and then the Eagles did the same to take the score to 21-17 going into the fourth quarter. Then in the fourth quarter, the Eagles couldn't really get much going, and the Giants got on the board a couple more times and finished them off for a 27-17 win. So the Eagles are my losers this week because losing to the Giants really shouldn't happen, especially the way the Giants roster is right now with all their injury, with the injury to Saquon and just the way that they're built, they're just not ready to be competing for the division lead right now, which now they inch ever closer. So that's also why the Eagles are a loser because dropping this one now puts you what like a half game or I think it's a half game up on the Giants. So, I mean, they still got the division lead, but you got the Giants right on your tail, man, and to lose to them and give them some advantages over you is just not a good look. So for fantasy this week for the Giants, my stardom is going to be Daniel Jones. He went 21 for 28 for 244 yards and had nine rushes for 64 yards and a touchdown. My sit this week is Evan Ingram. He had two catches for 15 yards. My stardom this week for the Eagles is Boston Scott. He had three catches for 63 yards. Or no, he had three rushes for 63 yards and a touchdown and one catch for 11 yards. My sit this week is Travis Fulgham. He had one catch for eight yards. 
My next loser of the week is the Chicago Bears. They lost to the Vikings on Monday Night Football, 19-13. Minnesota improves to 4-5, while Chicago falls to 5-5. This was a turnover-riddled first half that saw the Vikings leading 7-6 at halftime. The Bears opened up the second half with an 104-yard kick return touchdown by Cordell Patterson to take the lead 13-7. The Vikings responded with two field goals to tie the game at 13, and then early in the fourth, the Vikings got into the end zone. Cousins threw a pass to Thielen, and then they failed a fake field goal attempt, which makes no sense to me, to make the lead 19-13. The Bears then got one final drive to go down and get a touchdown to win the game. And early in the drive, Foles got planted into the ground, and then he was carted off. So they brought in the third stringer because Trubisky was not active either, and it led to them eventually turning it over on downs kind of close to the 50, and then they lost the game. So the Bears are my big losers this week because now they lose for the fourth straight week, and now they have lost both of their quarterbacks. So hopefully Trubisky or Foles is ready to go for next week or else they're going to have to rely on this guy that just didn't look great. I know he probably has gotten zero snaps in practice, but whatever. He's he's just not a guy that's going to do anything for them. And when they're losing four straight, losing your quarterback is not ideal. So it's not looking good for the Bears right now. We'll see what happens next week. Hopefully Foles is good to go. I know he got carted off, but the plant didn't look like he like fucked up his shoulder or anything. He just looked like he might have just had some nasty stinger. I don't know. Maybe he's had back issues, so we'll see what's good with Foles, but maybe Trubisky will be back, so who knows. For fantasy this week, my starting for the Vikings is Justin Jefferson. He had eight catches for 135 yards. My sit is going to be Alexander Madsen. He had two carries for four yards. My stardom this week for the Bears is going to be Cordell Patterson. He had two catches for 19 yards and 12 carries for 30 yards, as well as the kick return touchdown. And my sit is going to be Nick Foles. He was 15 for 26 with 106 yards and an interception, as well as one rush for two yards. My next loser of the week is the Green Bay Packers. They got the win in this one, 24-20 over the Jaguars. The Packers improved to 7-2, while the Jags fall to 1-8. So the Packers are one of my losers this week because they struggled a little bit in this one. I just felt like their offense was just not as high-powered as it has been in past weeks. But they had a 7-3 lead going into the second quarter and took a 17-10 lead into the half after having a solid first half. They lost the lead in the third quarter as the Jags scored to go up 20-17, to but the Packers responded with a touchdown to reclaim the lead 24-20. to Then in the fourth quarter, some punts and a turnover on downs by the Jaguars sealed the game for the Packers here in a 24-20 to win. So like I said, they're a loser this week, not because they lost this game. It's just I just felt like they just weren't firing on all cylinders and they just weren't ready for the Jags. The Jags put up a little bit of a better fight than you would expect, especially without Minshew. So that's why the Packers are my losers this week. They did get a win. They do keep pace at the top of the NFC, but it just seemed like it would just like wasn't a great week for them. Fantasy, my stardom this week for the Packers is Aaron Rodgers. He was 24 of 34 for 325 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. He also had three rushes for four yards and a touchdown. My sit this week is Robert Tanya. 
He had three catches for 33 yards. My stardom this week for the Jags was Keelan Cole. He had five catches for 47 yards and a touchdown, as well as a long punt return touchdown. My sit-em this week is Tyler Eifert. He only had two catches for 15 yards. Next up on my losers of the week is the Baltimore Ravens. They lost to the Pats 23-17. The Pats improved to 4-3 while the Ravens fall to or I'm sorry, the Pats improved to 4-5 while the Ravens fall to 6-3. So this was a pretty nasty Sunday night football game. It was like a downpour in New England. So the first half was pretty back and forth while there wasn't as much rain. And the Pats were up 13-10 to 10 at the half. And then in the third quarter, the Pats kind of established themselves a little bit more. They started off the half with a touchdown. And then they forced a turnover on downs and then got a field goal to push the lead to 23-10. Then the Ravens got a touchdown to end the quarter 23-17. And then in the fourth quarter, it was when it just like was absolutely downpouring. So it was really hard for either team to do much, but it really came down to the Ravens getting one final chance down 23-17 with like a little under a minute left. But they turned it over on downs after like making a pretty good effort to get down the field. I mean, they couldn't throw the ball and they didn't have a lot of time left. So they just couldn't run it. So they had to try to like throw the ball down the field and like it was <clears throat> it was pouring. So that's why they're the losers. They just didn't come out and perform against a Patriots team that's clearly weaker than them. Granted, the rain, and but I mean, getting down early in the first half is really what they need. What really screwed them over. I mean, if they had gotten up and established themselves in the first half, they wouldn't have had to worry about the rain. So that's why they're a loser this week. They're just kind of a little fraudulent. We're not gonna we're not gonna call them frauds yet, but they're they're fraudulent. Um, so for fantasy this week, my stardom for the Pats is going to be Rex Burkhead. He had six carries for 31 yards and four catches for 35 yards and two touchdowns. My sit of this week is James White. He had only had two catches for eight yards. My stardom this week for the Ravens is Willie Sneed. He had five catches for 64 yards and two touchdowns. And my sit of this week is JK Dobbins. He had five carries for 13 yards and one catch for one yard. My last loser of the week is the Seattle Seahawks. They lost to the Rams 23 to 16. Both teams come out of this one at 6 and 3. So the Seahawks are my loser this week because Russ was just not Russ and it just kind of led to their demise. They trailed 17 to 13 at the half, then the Rams scored again to start the second half to take a 23 to 13 lead. In the second half, Russ fumbled and then threw a pick later. And when they needed some important points and then they finally got a field goal then near the end of the game to make the lead 23 to 16, which is what they lost. So the Seahawks are my losers because they just, they just weren't sharp. They, they came out and didn't play good football and they were sloppy and the Rams took advantage. So now they're tied for the division lead with the Rams and it just wasn't a good look, and they've been kind of slipping the last few weeks. So we'll see if the Seahawks can get back on track. I mean, Russ definitely has to carry them. Their defense has shown that it's not capable of providing anything when the offense isn't clicking. So the offense needs to figure it out because the defense isn't going to really be able to help them much. They've got some pieces, but, I mean, you know, Russ. when Russ cooks, the Seahawks are good. When Russ is, isn't cooking like he was today with – 
two picks and a fumble in important positions. Like it's just not going to get you a win in, especially against an NFC West team. Like, okay. So they're a loser this week, mostly because of the things I just said. For fantasy, my starting for the Rams this week is Malcolm Brown. He had six carries for 33 yards and two touchdowns, as well as two catches for 18 yards. My sit this week is Robert Woods. He had five catches for 33 yards and one carry for three yards. My stardom this week for the Seahawks is Alex Collins. He had 11 carries for 43 yards and a touchdown and one catch for four yards. My sit this week is Russell Wilson. He was 22 for 37 for 248 yards, two interceptions, and eight carries for 60 yards and a fumble. We're going to kick off the winners of the week with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They beat the Panthers in this one, 46-23. Tampa Bay improves to 7-3, while the Panthers fall to 3-7. This was a back-and-forth first half, and they were both tied at 17 going into the half. The second half was pretty much a shootout as the Bucs scored on every drive of the half to get them a 46-23 win. Brady was amazing today and really led the Bucs to a great division win. Um, so that's why they're my winners this week. The second half was unbelievable, scoring on every drive. Defense stepped up and made a few stops to help them get the win. But to put up 46 points after putting up three last week is a big improvement again. So a nice bounce back win for the Bucs and a nice division win to push them closer to the top of the NFC. My fantasy stardom this week for the Bucs is going to be Tom Brady. He was 28 of 39 for 341 yards, three touchdowns, and he also had two rushes for two yards and a touchdown. My sit this week is Leonard Fournette. He had eight carries for 19 yards and two catches for 11 yards. My stardom this week for the Panthers is DJ Moore. He had four catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. And my sit this week is Curtis Samuel. He had three catches for eight yards and three carries for four yards. My next winner of the week is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got the win in this one over the Bengals, 36-10. Steelers improved to 9-0, while Cincinnati falls to 2-6-1. So the Steelers got an early lead in this one that kind of carried them throughout. They went up 12-0 before the Bengals finally got into the end zone to make it 12-7. The Steelers then respond to that touchdown with back-to-back touchdown drives to take a 22-7 lead into the half. The second half was much slower as the Steelers scored two more times and gave up a Bengals field goal to make the final 36-10 and push the Steelers to 9-0. So that is why they are my winners this week because they are the only remaining unbeaten team in the NFL still, and they put on another great, great show against a division foe. I mean, the Bengals aren't going to be one of the best teams in the NFL this year clearly by their two and six and one record they're not but Steelers handled them with a nice 36 to 10 win so that shows their dominance and shows why they're undefeated and why they're at the top of the league right now so that's why the Steelers are my big winner this week for fantasy my stardom this week for the Steelers is going to be Ben Roethlisberger he was 27 for 46 with 333 yards and four touchdowns my sit this week is James Conner. He had 13 carries for 36 yards and two catches for 12 yards. My stardom this week for the Bengals is T. Higgins. He had seven catches for 115 yards and a touchdown. And my sit this week for the Bengals is A.J. Green. He had zero catches for zero yards, and he had five targets.
Next up on my winners of the week is the Indianapolis Colts. They got the win on Thursday night football over the Titans, 34-17. The Colts improved to 6-3 while the Titans fall to 6-3. This was a pretty back-and-forth first half, but the Titans were leading 17-13 at the break. The second half was all Colts, though. On their second drive of the half, they got a touchdown to take the lead. And then on the next Titans possession, they blocked a punt for a touchdown to push the lead to 27-17. to Then in the fourth quarter, they brought in Jacoby Brissett, who punched it in from the two to push the lead to 34-17 to and the Colts' big win. So the Colts are big winners this week because they now take the division lead and they shut out the Titans in the second half. So, I mean... They, the defense really put on a show and really locked down the Titans' offense when they needed to, and the Colts' offense did what they had to. I mean, the defense scored one of those touchdowns, but getting those two second-half touchdowns was big to help seal this victory, and this is a big win for the Colts and a big step towards getting into the playoffs again. For fantasy, my stardom this week for the Colts is Naheem Hines. He had 12 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown, as well as five catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. My sit this week is Jonathan Taylor. He had seven carries for 12 yards and two catches for 25 yards. My stardom this week for the Titans is Derrick Henry. He had 19 carries for 103 yards and one catch for six yards. And my sit this week is A.J. Brown. He had one catch for 21 yards. My next winner of the week is the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins beat the Chargers in this one, 29-21. Miami improves to 6-3, while the Chargers fall to 2-7. So Tua and the Finns started off pretty hot in this one, going up 14-0 before taking a 17-7 lead into the half. The Chargers kicked off the second half with a touchdown to make it 17-14, but the Dolphins responded with a field goal to push the lead back to 20-14. In the fourth quarter, the Dolphins got a touchdown and a field goal to push their lead out even further to 29-14 to before the Chargers got one final touchdown to cut the lead to eight before the Finns ran out the clock and got a 29-21 victory. So the Dolphins are my winners this week because two has been looking good and they improved to 6-3 and three and get back into the AFC East mix and even just the AFC playoff picture in, in a total. So Tua's looking good. They're looking like they've got the right pieces to start building towards a successful franchise, and they've now got their franchise quarterback. So these last couple weeks, they're looking up for the Dolphins, and they're back in contention in the AFC East and looking like they could be a playoff team. So that's why the Dolphins are one of my winners this week. For fantasy, my starter for the Dolphins is going to be Tua. He was 15 of 25 for 169 yards and two touchdowns. My sit this week is going to be Devontae Parker. He had two catches for 31 yards. My stardom this week for the Chargers is going to be Justin Herbert. He was 20 for 32 with 187 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, and four rushes for 10 yards and a touchdown. My sit this week is Joshua Kelly. He had seven carries for 21 yards. My next winner of the week is the Detroit Lions. They got the win 30-27 to over the Washington football team. Detroit improves to 4-5 and while Washington falls to 2-7. and The Lions started off fast in this one. They went up 17-3 to in the first half. In the second half, they got one more touchdown to start the second half, but Washington was not done. 
Washington responded with 21 unanswered points to tie the game at 24. The teams then traded field goals on the next couple drives before giving the Lions one final possession with the game tied at 27. The Lions drove all the way down the field and kicked a 59-yard field goal as time expired to get the win 30-27 to in this one. So the Lions are my winners this week, not because they were that great. They blew a big first-half lead. I mean, getting up two touchdowns or three touchdowns into the second half is just not something that any good team should be doing. But they were resilient. Matthew Stafford and that offense led a nice game-winning drive. I mean, it's a long-ass field goal that he kicked, so they kind of got lucky. But they they pulled it out, and they were resilient. So that's why the Lions are my winners this week, just because their resiliency and what Matthew Stafford did to get them that win. My stardom for fantasy this week for the Lions is going to be DeAndre Swift. He had 16 carries for 81 yards and five catches for 68 yards and a touchdown. My sit-em this week is TJ Hawkinson. He had two catches for 13 yards. My stardom this week for Washington is going to be Antonio Gibson. He had 13 carries for 45 yards, two touchdowns, and four catches for 20 yards. My sit-em this week is going to be Peyton Barber. He had two carries for seven yards and one catch for seven yards. My next winner of the week is the Cleveland Browns. They got the win over the Texans 10-7. They improved to 6-3 while the Texans fall to 2-7. This was a slow first half where Cleveland led 3-0 at the half. The Browns then scored a third-quarter touchdown to push their lead to 10-0. The Texans did make it interesting, though. They scored a late TD to cut it to 10-7. But then Nick Chubb ripped off a really long run, and then time expired, so he ran out of bounds at the 1 and he fucked over betters everywhere who had Browns minus four. So Nick Chubb was the villain of the gambling community this week, but the Browns are my winners this week because they got a nice grinded-out game in one of these low-scoring affairs. They did enough to get it done. Their running game and their defense really held up, and they were fighting against the elements too. I think it was super windy and maybe a little bit rainy up in Cleveland. So it was a tough game, and it was tough for the offense to do anything, and the Browns scored a couple times and did enough to get the win in this one, so that's why they're my winners. So for fantasy, my stardom this week for the Browns is going to be Nick Chubb. He had 19 carries for 126 yards and a touchdown. He should have had two touchdowns. My sit this week is going to be Austin Hooper. He had one catch for 11 yards. My stardom this week for the Texans is Deshaun Watson. He was 20 of 30 for 163 yards and a touchdown. He also had eight rushes for 36 yards. And my sit-in this week is Kenny Stills. He had one catch for six yards. My last winner of the week is the Arizona Cardinals. They got the win over the Bills 32 to 30. Arizona improves to 6-3 while Buffalo falls to 7-3. So this was an all-time finish. Both teams, so both teams scored on almost every drive of the first half, with the Bills leading 16 to nine at half. Bills struck first in the second half to push the lead to 23 to nine, but the Cardinals were just not done. They went touchdown, field goal, touchdown to to gain the lead, 26-23 to end third, and then a sloppy fourth quarter led to the Bills scoring a touchdown to regain the lead with just under a minute left at 30 to 26. So the Cardinals had one more chance and they got to midfield and then they had one more shot at a Hail Mary to try to get the win 
and Kyler Murray launched it up to DeAndre Hopkins, who outjumped three Buffalo defensive backs and grabbed the game-winning touchdown to give them a 32-30 to win. So it was a crazy finish, crazy throw by Murray, and an unbelievable catch by Hopkins. So the Cardinals are my winners this week because of that sick play, insane catch, insane finish, insane way to get a win. So great win. They're, they just keep finding ways to get some wins against some good teams, and that's how Arizona is going to stay in this playoff hunt. So Cardinals are my big winners this week. Awesome play from DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. Amazing finish. For fantasy this week, my stardom for the Cardinals is Kyler Murray. He was 22 for 32. 32 with 245 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and he also had 11 carries for 61 yards and two touchdowns. My sit-em this week is Larry Fitzgerald. He had two catches for 13 yards. My stardom this week for Buffalo is Cole Beasley. He had 11 catches for 109 yards and a touchdown. And my sit-em this week is Devin Singletary. He had four carries for 15 yards and one catch for negative five yards. On this episode of TV Time, we are going to be reviewing The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 3. So if you haven't watched up to and through Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 3, then you should probably stop listening right now, and we will be back on Thursday with NFL Week 11 preview and some NBA draft talk. So that's your last spoiler warning. We're now going to move into Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 3. So this episode kicks off with a rocky landing by Mando and the fish lady into the planet of Trask. And then after getting fished out of the water, the fish lady is reunited with her husband. They have a nice little reunion moment there. So that's when Mando goes looking for other Mandalorians that are supposed to be on this planet. And he gets hooked up with a guy, some pirates or some ship guys, some seamen who uh, said that they could help him. Instead, they trick him and they try to kill Baby Yoda by feeding him to this giant sea monster and then kill Mando and try to take his Baskar to sell it for money. Mando and Baby Yoda are then saved by some other Mandalorians, Bo-Katan and her little crew, and they start talking to Mando and they take off their helmets and then they tell Mando that he must have been part of the Death Watch, which is like a religious zealot cult of Mandalorians who believe in the ancient procedures of like not showing your face and all of this is the way stuff that they've been talking about and they inform Mando that they're from Mandalore too they're just kind of from a different group of people that wasn't so like religiously like following all the ancient procedures and stuff like that from the ancient Mandalorian death watch so Mando doesn't really believe them and he kind of flies away with baby Yoda as uh, Bo-Katan and her crew blow up the ship and it was this cool like explosion where they like fly out the top. That was one of the cooler scenes I think from the from the episode. And then in the next the next scene Mando gets cornered by the brother of one of those like ship guys that he just killed and he's saved again once again by Bo-Katan and her crew and they finally convince him to go get a drink. And when they're getting a drink, they kind of talk to him more about Mandalore and how it's not actually 
it, like it's not taking over that they just need to go there. The Empire is spreading a lot of propaganda about Mandalore, trying to keep the Mandalorians away. And the Mandalorians just need to come together, reclaim their home, and live there because the Mandalorians are stronger together. And so then they finally convince Mando to um, steal some weapons from this Empire ship so that they can help free Mandalore and go... Um, fight the war on their planet. So that's when they fly up with their jetpacks and they board the Empire ship and they fight off a bunch of stormtroopers on their way to the cockpit. And then as this, as they're moving closer to the cockpit, there's a order given to the guys there to crash the ship so that they can't steal the weapons. So they start to crash the ship, but then the Mandos break in and swoop the controls and save the ship right before it crashes into the water. And then as they're interrogating the captain of the ship, he takes this like electric shock pill that he like chomps down on and it kills him kind of like how people take like a cyanide pill. So they didn't get a ton of information from him, but the Mandos get all the weapons to go take the Mandalore to help fight the war. So their mission is a success. And as they're leaving, Bo-Katan tells Mando where he can find the Jedi Ahsoka Tana. Ahsoka Tana. So that's when Mando and Baby Yoda board back on the Razor Crest and they leave Trask in search for Ahsoka. So that was a great episode. We got a lot of cool stuff when it comes to crossovers from the animated Clone Wars show. So it was cool to see some of those guys. I, I haven't really watched the Clone Wars or any of the animated shows like that much or that closely. I probably will a little bit to kind of learn some more of the tie-ins to this show. But it was cool to just kind of see some of the characters that you've seen in animated come to life. And they really made them look identical to their animated counterparts. So that was pretty cool. But the biggest takeaway from this is Ahsoka. And I think that is going to be the coolest part of what is to come next. So for those of you who don't know who Ahsoka is, Ahsoka was Anakin's Padawan. So there was a time in the Clone Wars where Obi-Wan and Anakin were both generals and Anakin had a Padawan named Ahsoka Tana. So I haven't watched a lot of the show, but eventually Ahsoka Tana ends up leaving and I think she's possibly out there like recruiting some other Jedis or doing something, but I think we could potentially see her trying to reestablish the Jedi Order and it could possibly be in parallel or with Luke. So I think this could be a really interesting tie-in, whereas at this point in the Star Wars storyline, Luke is out there reestablishing the Jedi Temple with Ben Ben um, uh, Ben Solo and his group of guys that he had there. So maybe we'll get to see some more Jedi tie-ins. I think they're planning an Ahsoka show, so we'll see more of what that could be about. But Rosario Dawson is supposed to play Ahsoka, so it should be really cool to see some of the tie-ins to the overall universe with the Jedi and how they're rebuilding, because right now it's just Jedi are a myth. It's been so long since there's been a real establishment of Jedi. It's mostly been Darth Vader and Palpatine and then Luke. So at this point... The only known Jedis we know of are Luke, Ahsoka, and Baby Yoda. So 
we'll see what happens. The Jedi are going to get reestablished at some point because we know from the um, sequel trilogy that Luke established a Jedi temple. So hopefully we get to see some tie-ins there, but I'm really excited for what Ahsoka means to setting up the future of the Star Wars universe. So I'm really pumped for next week's episode because I think if they do have Ahsoka in it, it could be really cool and it'll be a lot of fun to see her. So that'll be the show today. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back on Thursday with NFL Week 11 preview, and we'll talk some little NBA draft stuff because the draft is tomorrow, and I'm super pumped. So enjoy today, guys. Peace.